Hi, and welcome to another Market Voice podcast from FIA. I'm Jeff Reeves. FIA returned to Chicago for our annual Expo Conference on November 14th and 15th. And while the agenda was full of the usual discussions about clearinghouse risk and commodity markets, the recent collapse of FTX was undeniably the hottest topic at Expo, on stage in panel discussions, on the trade show floor, and everywhere else. CFTC Chairman Rostin Benham sat down with FIA President and CEO Walt Lucan to kick off the conference. And with FTX fresh in everyone's mind, the chairman took some time to discuss his perspectives and offer views on how the regulatory landscape in Washington might change. Here's Walt Lucan and CFTC Chairman Rostin Benham. So, Russ, not a lot going on right now for you. Um, pretty, pretty slow at the agency. Um, well, thank you very much yeah, for being it's here. Great to be here. Um, well, I think what everybody is talking about and top of mind is FTX. Um, so I know your agency is very involved in investigating and understanding what went on there. Give us a little bit of an overview of, of the current situation and how the CFTC is involved. Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, it's great to be here in Chicago and uh, to be with everyone. Um, again, I know we're getting into a habit of being back in person, which is great. Um, but certainly this event has been um, a huge uh, event for I think our markets globally and policymakers as well. Um, I would say within the FTX family, and, and many of you probably know this, Ledger X is a, um, it's a trading platform and a, a DCO, a clearinghouse that's registered with the CFTC. Um, I would say at the onset that this is an entity that did not file for bankruptcy on Friday with the other uh, family of FTX entities. And the reason is because um, I believe pretty strongly because they're very clearly regulated by the CFTC. Um, we've been in close contact um, at, at the agency with staff, senior leadership of, of LedgerX. Just as a reminder, LedgerX is a fully paid for futures and options, Bitcoin and Ether, um, direct clearing model, uh, and they've been registered with us for quite some time. So we've been very focused, obviously, on the governance structure. We've been very focused on books and records, doing examinations. Uh, we've been very focused, as you can imagine, above all else, on the location of customer property, in this case, because it's the direct uh, membership member property. Uh, we've been in direct communication with the custodians. Um, all these pillars, which you outlined in your introduction, Walt, about the benefits and the value of regulation, um, this is the intersection that we've had with LedgerX. Um, and I believe you know, we're being very cautious. We know, as you said, a lot uh, remains to be seen um, over the next couple days, weeks, and months. Uh, but we're being certainly vigilant, above all else, with member property, but making sure that the entity itself is operational, functional, and compliant with CFTC rules and regulations. And I know the CFTC has broad fraud and enforcement authority, manipulation authority uh, on the enforcement side. Um, I'm not sure if you're able to comment, but is the CFTC looking into enforcement action about in FTX? Well, uh, you, you know, I, I can't comment on ongoing investigations or enforcement actions, but as I've said many times before, both respect, with respect to the registered entity, we are always ensuring that the registered entities we oversee are compliant with our rules and regulations. Uh, but I've, I've made this case as I've sort of been advocating for more jurisdiction for the CFTC that we do have cash uh, spot authority in commodities when it comes to fraud and manipulation, um, and we will use that authority to the full extent of the law. I'll take that as a yes. Um, <laughs> um, and so the let's go back to customer funds, because that is critically important. There are a lot of customers that lost money um, with FTX. 
but you're saying that the, the regulated entity, as far as we know, you're tying out accounts, staff are on site, you guys, it, it looks like customer funds have been protected as our, our markets require. Absolutely, and again, I, we, are, we are being extra vigilant. This obviously started in earnest on Friday, but we've been paying attention to this really to last weekend, the weekend before, uh, you know, eight or nine days ago when this started to sort of snowball. Um, but whereas we would have uh, monthly reporting, we are doing daily reporting and multiple times a day, we are in direct contact with the custodians. There are two custodians in this particular um, uh, circumstance, one on the crypto side, the digital asset side, and then another on the fiat side. So we're getting daily reports from them as well to ensure member property is where it's supposed to be. And the, the governance structure for removal or um, disbursement of, uh, of customer property is pretty robust. So as it is, um, we feel comfortable where the governance structures are, but certainly to your point, we're taking every precaution necessary given what's happening with the bankrupt institutions and how things might play out um, in the proceedings over the next couple of weeks and months. But again, um, at, at this moment, we're pleased with where we are. We're gonna continue to be very focused. We're not gonna um, t let our guard down at all uh, but I do think it's a testament to you know, the CFTC regulations, the CFTC staff, um, and the benefit of having clear, transparent rules that um, you know, put us in a situation where we're much better off than others uh, in, these, in these unfortunate circumstances. Uh, the CFTC put out a press release this morning about the FTX application. Can you give the audience a bit of an update there? Sure, and, and as you, you may remember, um, Ledger X uh, applied for an amendment to their existing application uh, back in December of 2021, so just about a, you know, a, a year ago. And we were, I think, in Boca when we, we put out a consultation document and then we had a round table. So we did engage at the commission level. We did, we did try to uh, make the process as transparent as possible um, so that we could have engagement from the public given the unique nature of the model and the um, and what, what uh, FTX or LedgerX was proposing, appreciating all the things you said in your intro as well, a very unique model, but one that we had to be careful about. Um, and in the end, given the circumstances of last week, uh, on Friday afternoon, pretty late in the afternoon, counsel for FTX submitted the withdrawal, and then we put out the press statement just about an hour ago, or an hour and a half ago, so. Great. Um, we will have questions at the end, so I just, if uh, staff or if, if uh, any of the audience members may want to think of questions, I'll just give you a little heads up. Um, but I did want to get to um, legislation potentially in this area as well. Um, I think when Senator Stabenow and, 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 and Bozeman put out um, legislation earlier this year, you came out in, in support of both that as yeah. well as the, the, the other piece of legislation in the Senate with Jill and Brand. Um, and, and I'm trying to remember the other. Lummis. Lummis, thank you, yeah. thank you. Um, so um, what are your thoughts now in, in light of what we know the last week of, of regulating the spot crypto market, which were the, was part of the story last week? Yeah, I mean, I think this really only elevates the urgency for Congress to pass legislation to address these issues, uh, many of which we're, we're seeing in real time with the FTX implosion. And, you know, they're really literally and figuratively core principles within the Commodity Exchange Act, right? It's, it's conflicts of interest and prohibiting conflicts of interest, making sure, and I've said this many times, we've had these discussions within the context of FIA, ensuring that these entities don't play multiple roles and have multiple hats to offer services to clients. 
prohibition on commingling of, of customer money and house money, making sure that we have custodians who are properly securing customer money, um, financial resource requirements, making sure entities have adequate financial resources to have some runway for a period of time. Books and records, always have to have books and records available for examination. I know everyone in this audience knows that so that the regulator can come in as needed to examine books and records. And then governance issues and, and system safeguards. You know, Obviously, from a cyber perspective, that's a huge risk these days. But as we saw, I think, Friday evening with hacks and the, the issue around digital assets, making sure that these entities have appropriate levels of system safeguards. So you know, we can parse through the specifics of what happened. We're going to obviously learn a lot over the next couple of weeks and months, as I said. But ultimately, it comes down to those core fundamentals of regulation and transparency and what we've learned collectively as a country and as financial market participants over many, many decades. And I really think that it's a risk to, be, um, to think that we should wait or that we should let this play out. Um, I think Congress, again, I think this elevates the urgency to, to move. And I think the regulators would uh, put smart, thoughtful, um, tailored regulations in place so that we could prevent this event or a similar event from happening again in the future. I know you're a member of the President's Working Group and the FSOC. Has there been any discussions at this point or this coordination on the, on the FTX situation and sharing of information? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of, um, it's mostly through FSOC that, that these conversations have happened and those really in earnest started last week. Um, we at the CFTC have been a, you know, a huge part of that, and I want to credit Remind people what FSOC is. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm using yeah, acronyms. Yeah, 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 I yeah, apologize. Yeah. The Financial Stability Oversight Council, this is chaired by Secretary Yellen. This is all of the major financial regulators, uh, including those in the U.S. here, obviously, but also insurance and state regulators. And this is a Dodd-Frank era council um, that is really focused on financial stability. And, and crypto and digital assets has been a key component of the work of FSOC, um, since Secretary Yellen uh, took over. This was the, really the vehicle that produced some of the reports that President Biden asked for through an executive order um, about a year ago, a little bit less than a year ago. And right now, we are just parsing through what's happening. Uh, you know, the FSOC and other entities through these executive orders has recommended legislation and, and more authority for agencies to deal with stable coins, but also to deal with some cash market issues that we feel like there are gaps in the existing authority. So we've been very proactive from the CFTC perspective in engaging with FSOC and, and its member uh, agencies to ensure they know that the Ledger X entity is solvent, is operational, uh, and that above all else, customer property is where it's supposed to be. Uh, but also sharing any information that we have uh, about the entities, which I will add, Walt, is a, is a very key component of all of this. Um, we register LedgerX, and the law, the Commodity Exchange Act, actually creates limitations to what we can do vis-a-vis -vis that entity as that entity has a relationship with affiliates or parent companies. We actually don't have an ability to, to sort of pierce through that regulated entity and seek or examine books and records of other affiliates or other parent companies. So um, a policy thought for the future of how we might want to think about what relationship the regulated entity has to its affiliates and what authority the regulator should have to sort of go through that regulated entity. But our limitations were very clear. Our relationship was very clear and direct with Ledger X and only Ledger X. Um, and, and that was the sort of the extent of our authority. 
Well, another hot topic that I mentioned in my remarks are the commodity markets. And we've seen incredible volatility in those markets, especially in Europe with the invasion of uh, Russia into yeah. Ukraine. Um, so the CFTC has, and from you know, being an alum of, of the CFTC, incredible amount of authority to, to look at volatility in the markets and the surveillance system. Tell us a little bit of how you're ensuring that markets remain orderly and open, um, especially in light of the commodity volatility. Yeah, you know this. In you know, it's it's interesting to think. And you mentioned that I started in 2017 as a commissioner. So having experienced 2020 and the volatility we saw in commodity markets when COVID hit, um, and then you know where we were with crude at negative forty dollars in, in April of 2020, and then obviously a move in commodity markets just upwards since that period. Uh, but when when information through intelligence really started to leak that. Russia may invade Ukraine. Obviously, markets uh, became a little bit unsettled, and then we really, at the CFTC, by um, my request, were extra vigilant in ensuring market transparency and fairness, and ensuring price discovery was happening. And we've we have a market intelligence branch within our division of market oversight. They have been extra focused on you know on a, a commodity by commodity. Uh, perspective, looking at participants, looking at open interest, looking at spreads, and making sure that the price discovery function is happening. Obviously, a lot of news comes out on a regular basis, and news that moves markets more significantly than we've probably ever dealt with in the past uh, by individuals or countries or you know, and any other issue that seems to pop up. So we've been very focused on examining commodity by commodity, making sure that the price discovery function is happening. The risk management function, obviously equally important and sort of tethered to the price discovery function, has been an issue that really through the lens of margin and the demands for collateral through IM and VM has become a larger issue. And you sort of pointed this out in the context of Europe. I think, you know, notwithstanding the obvious move in commodity prices upwards over the past few years, the moves, whether it's, you know, the European TTF nat natural gas contract or other more Eurocentric uh, commodity prices are having a much more direct impact on retail consumers and investors there. So that's raised a lot of policy questions and a lot of policy issues about margin models, margining practices, and the role of derivatives markets. So it's been a little bit of an exercise of making sure that I'm doing my job in keeping everyone in my community of regulators globally abreast of what we're doing, what the data is suggesting, and what the value and benefit is of derivatives markets in price discovery and risk management. And trying to draw those correlations between the volatility that's happening in the cash side and how we do see those correlations with margin issues and other risk issues in clearinghouses. Obviously, this will be an, um, a matter that we have to continue to examine and to maintain that sort of correlation between risk and volatility and margin uh, demands. But, Certainly from a systemic standpoint and a prudential standpoint, you can imagine how central bankers and others in the regulatory field uh, feel a bit of constraint, right? Because there's huge collateral demand from the CCP, that collateral has to come from somewhere else on the balance sheet. So these are the larger questions that I've been dealing with and having discussions with on a bilateral basis, multilateral basis through IOSCO, FSB, CPMI, and they've been productive and I think we've told a good story because ultimately dealing with 2020 and then 2022, um, markets have remained resilient and have operated as intended. Well, you mentioned IOSCO. You, you are vice chair. Congratulations. The first Thank time you. the CFTC yeah. is, 
Oh, maybe it's the second time. Second time. Second time. Yeah. But, um, but congratulations on that role. Thanks. But I know at the last meeting, there was a lot of discussion about non-financial firms and yeah. potentially in, it's around this margin issue. Yeah. I know maybe not a CFTC-specific issue, but do you see there's going to be a broader regulatory push to go after some of these firms that are unregulated, maybe yep. end users that are large enough that could move markets? Well, so this is the what, what's called the NBFI, the non-bank financial institutions. This really started after you know, global financial reform after the financial crisis when you started to have a lot of shifting activity outside of the regulated space. But Walt, you're right. Um, when we saw huge moves in commodity prices, mainly in the energy complex and the ag complex back in March and April, there were concerns from physical commodity traders about you know, meeting these margin demands. Um, and, a, and conversations started to happen with prudential regulators and regulators about the margin demands and what it meant for their ability to put a hedge on and then ultimately to move commodities around. And I think that sort of elevated issues to uh, regulators about commodity traders and physical end users about their role in the economy, about their role in, in prices and the impact it has on consumers and retail, um, the retail community. So it has um, elevated the issue. I, um, in, in my view, we have to be mindful of those risks and the balance sheet demands. But I really think, in my view, it, it is more focused on um, making sure we get the regulations and the policy right around the regulated entities, whether it's, it's the clearing members and the clearing houses, not necessarily going into the, the commercial side and, and having an impact on what role they have within the regulated community. Well, I want to turn to something that's a, a, an issue that you've been a leader on, and that's a climate risk um, in the financial markets. Um, so I know there was an RFI that the CFTC put out on climate risk, um, and you know, comment period is closed at this point. But is there anything to preview here, or anything that coming from that? from those public comments that the CFTC is, is thinking about in that area? Yeah, so the comment period ended just about a month and a half ago, um, and we had the convening uh, at the CFTC in June, which I think went really well. I would say just a little bit of a summary, and it's we're still aggregating a lot of the comments, and, and thanks to FIA for contributing. Um, I think there was certainly a lot of encouragement and appreciation for having the public engagement and having people uh, giving people an opportunity to speak to regulators and to get together and talk about what we could do within the derivative space to support transition. Um, a lot of discussion about you know, market-based solutions and letting markets evolve uh, and develop products, as you pointed out in your intro, but certainly a lot of discussion about what we could do in the disclosure space, in the stress testing space, CFTC rich data sets, what we could do in terms of data aggregation and filtering and in communication with other regulators. Uh, and then international coordination, I would think, is also a huge issue. Given the, the nature of the problem we're trying to solve and the issue around transitioning uh, to net zero economy, making sure that there's a level playing field and comparability across jurisdictions. Without that, this becomes really a, a very difficult task to, to accomplish. The other element of the, the whole um, exercise was what role we could play in voluntary carbon markets. Um, you, you mentioned compliance markets in Europe with the ETS, obviously we're seeing a huge scaling of voluntary carbon markets. Secretary Kerry was over in, in COP uh, in Egypt last week talking about an initiative from the US to help scale uh, voluntary carbon markets. But one of the very well-known issues around voluntary carbon markets is that there are challenges around integrity. 
um, and, and regulation. There's essentially a lack of regulation on a global scale. So as, as vice chair of IOSCO and as, as co-chair of, of a carbon markets work stream, um, a colleague, Verena Ross, the head of ESMA and I worked on a, um, uh, two reports, one on compliance markets and one on voluntary carbon markets, and there's a document out right now for consultation to help sort of elevate integrity and a rule set around uh, voluntary carbon markets. And I would say, you know, go into our conversation about crypto, you know, obviously assets differ across markets, but in terms of market structure and what we want to accomplish, it's many of the same core fundamentals about what we need to see in pre-trade transparency and equal access orderly, uh, transparent order books, post-trade reporting um, and clearing and settlement, uh, and making sure those conflicts of interest, the settlement, the custody, those are all sort of worked out in a fair and in transparent way. So it's another area where I think we, as the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, can weigh in and to be supportive of this global effort, working with ICVCM, the Integrity Council on Voluntary Carbon Markets, to help elevate scale uh, these, these markets and give opportunities for people to create new revenue streams, but ultimately help support the transition um, in, in an orderly way. And there's some very smart, innovative uh, market people here in Chicago in the sustainable finance area yeah. that would love to contribute to that. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide investment, tax, business, legal, or professional advice to any individual or entity. Unless specifically stated otherwise, neither FIA nor its members endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, opinion, product, process, service, individual, or entity presented or mentioned in this podcast. FIA makes no representations, warranties, or guarantees as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the podcast content. Reliance on the podcast contents is done at your own risk. FIA disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special of consequential damages arising out of any use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or its contents. Any commercial use, resale, or redistribution of this podcast without the FIA's express written consent is prohibited. Copyright 2022 FIA, all rights reserved. For more information, visit FIA.org.